Learn how to build your faith on God's Word and live a life of 100% victory 100% of the time. As you listen to the senior pastor, Davis Christian Center, Pastor Kingsley Okunkwo, and expect God's Word to work for you. Hallelujah. Um, all right, um, we're going to move quickly. We started a series at the beginning of this month titled Pull the Plug. And the idea is that we need to pull the plug on our worries, our fears, our concerns, things that are causing us stress. And remember, we did a survey, um, we did kind of, kind of a, pool, a poll where people were able to text in the things that caused them anxiety and stress. And um, as they were texting, it was appearing on the screen. And the bigger ones are the ones that more people texted or chose. So we can see here that the number one thing most people are worried about is what? I can't hear you. Is what? Money. All right. And if you, you can see that work and business and some other finance are also big. So they are basically the same thing, career. If they had all been in one place, all this uh, career, business, uh, finance, work, if they have all been money, which they are, that means money would have been what? Very big. Am I correct? So um, it means money is one of the things that cause anxiety for most human beings. All right? So... Uh, I need to always say this because sometimes people are bothered that, oh, churches or pastors are talking about money so much. Well, it's, it's what concerns people. And Jesus Christ himself um, shared more stories and parables about money than he did about heaven or even hell. All right? Because he knew that's what people's concerns were. Nothing else was compared to God like money. Every time they wanted to say you don't worship something else, it's money they use. So you can't worship God and mammon. So they compared God and money because they have that kind of place in people's lives. Okay? So... Um, so next Sunday, I'm going to probably talk about money. But this Sunday, if you notice, on that thing that is very big here is what? I can't hear you. What's it? Marriage. Up there is what? Relationship. Here is what? Family. Here is husband. <laughs> husband, big, small. You can see there's no wife on the screen. Husband. I don't know whether it's the lack of husband or the present one that is on ground. That is the... <laughs> husband, our problem just plenty. Whether it's the absence or the presence... His husband is the problem. So basically, family is another major thing that gives people stress or causes people anxiety, family life. So today I'm going to talk a bit about marriage, and next Sunday I'll probably talk about finance. Okay. Um, the first three Sundays, I laid the foundation of why worry is bad. Please, I need to understand. When God is saying don't worry, it's not a suggestion. It's not an advice. It's an instruction. If somebody gets what I'm saying, don't make the mistake to think that because God is not screaming, that he, he doesn't mean what he's saying. There's actually a place, um, it's a teaching I'll do later sometime, but there's a place in scripture where God actually, before he gave a commandment, there was thunder and fire and brimstone before he gave a commandment. And you would have thought, ah, this one that there's thunder and a rock splits and everything that, whatever God will say now, people will take it, Abi. After all that drama God did to warn them, they still went to disobey. So, that God is screaming or not screaming doesn't mean you would obey. It's obedience, it's, it's a heart of meekness that makes you obey. Not the voice of the speaker. Is somebody get what I'm saying? So just because God is not screaming, it doesn't mean that worry is okay. Worry is still bad. Just like that, that, that rich man um, and Lazarus. I remember the story, the rich man and Lazarus. Where Lazarus went to heaven and the rich man went to hell. And the rich man said, oh, somebody should go and warn my brothers. And the rich man said, if somebody comes from the dead to warn them, ah, they will believe. That's not true. Jesus came from the dead. People have still not believed. Are you here, somebody? The point is this. God is very clear 
about the instruction not to worry. It is a sin and it is harmful. For every time God tells you not to do something and you do it, there are consequences. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Just imagine Adam and Eve. When God told them, don't eat the fruit. God didn't have to do thunder and brimstone to give them that warning. He just told them the way I'm telling you, don't eat this fruit. And I'm sure they would have felt, it can't be that bad. It can't be that serious. We can recover from it. I'm sure we can come back and change our mind. Do they still think so now? God didn't have to scream, but that instruction is still the instruction and the repercussions we still follow. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying, somebody. So, the instruction not to worry is a very valid and important instruction. It affects you. If you're a believer and you are in worry and anxiety and all those things, those things have a way of cutting off God's flow of blessings into your life. It will affect the flow of the blessings because you and God cannot be in the steering wheel of your life at the same time. Nobody does that. For one person to take over the driving, the other person has to step down from the driver's seat. Am I correct? That's the only way it can work. So when you worry and you're in anxiety, it actually stops God from moving in your life. You need to know that. It stops from getting God's best. You always interfere with what God is doing. I told you last week, that's why they can't carry out a major surgery in your life if you are weak. If God wants to carry out appendectomy, if a doctor wants to have a in your, in your body, you can't be awake. They have to put you to sleep. If you're awake, you're going to disturb the surgery. Am I correct? They just lie you down. And you see three doctors just this thing. And they are sharpening their knife. Uh-huh. So who is this guy? I don't even know him, but we could just come out here and append it. And they're sharpening their knife. Abu, bring that other big knife. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you're if you hearing those things, I see this now. And they say, Abu, bring that other big uh, knife. And you hear, and you see the thing. You go, who now? And they lie you down and they, and they start, they want to cut you. Even if you, they convince you to allow, once they cut small, and they're they going to cut from here to here, and they start here, and you, ah! you say, I'm even okay. This thing is not even pinning me like that. Let me be, is that not what you will say? You will stop the surgery. You're not going to let it go through. Sometimes what is happening in your life might seem painful, but it's the only way to get to where you're going. Imagine if Joseph truncated the process, they threw him inside the pit, and he escaped. You know Joseph in the Bible? His brothers caught him and threw him in the pit. That's the plan. He now escaped. He now got shared testimony. Ah, you know, go better off my haters. They move for peace. They don't know me. No, sir, for worry, they bomb me. I escaped. Why you know they carry last? You have carried last. Because they throw him in Potiphar's house, you escape. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That's what happens when you take over what God is doing because sometimes all things are working together for your good. You need to allow God. You can't interfere. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He so, so, so when we're saying don't worry, don't be anxious, it's not just a suggestion. There's repercussion to it. I told him in the mainland how that, you know, talking about that you don't want to put, I stepped on a nail. I've shared this story many times. I stepped on those sharp nails. I mean, those long nails, this long and very rusted. It has been under the ground for a long time. We were doing running in primary school. I stepped on the nail so strongly, it entered from under, and it was already showing from on top. Serious. Long nail. Man, I said, don't touch it. This is how I'll be walking for the rest of my life. Don't, nobody should touch it. Is it not working? Am I not working? Leave me alone. I will manage it. That's the man. I don't want to touch it. One boy called Samuel. Because when people do you harm, you remember their name forever. I can never forget that boy's name, Samuel. I think I'm, I've forgotten his son name, Uti, or something like that. 
But his name is Samuel. His first name is Samuel. I can never forget. When people harm you in your life, you remember them. The boy came and said, hey boy, leave him. Nobody should touch it. I said, yes, thank you. He said, let me see. She be see. He wants to see. I said, yeah, see. Oh, bad. While we were talking, he didn't tell me. Just pulled it out. Pow! I just died. I'm telling you, pulled out the name. You know those things that you, the impact happens, but the pain has not reached your brain. So you want to die before it reach. I said, I'm for you, baby, you hit your leg on, on you're walking. You hit your leg. You said, you're not going to feel it immediately. You know it, but you know it's coming. It's on the way. The pain never reached you. You go just one dodger. It's like, when they slap you. Pow! You say, who they slap? Now you just slap, the, the, the sound see the echo. Boom, boom, boom. The, it never reached your brain, are you? Oh, he said, who then? Who then? Who then? Now, two days after, he go to your house. He said, hey! The, just to feel the pain. The guy pulled the thing. I, I couldn't believe I survived. <laughs> but you see, that's the only way I have to allow them. Because if I'm awake, I'll be fighting. Can I forget when I want to visit my wife when we're dating? I've not, I've not forgotten forgiving you. She's here. We're dating. I was trying to pull my handbrake. It was difficult. So in doing that, my nail got bent. You know, not the full name, just the top, but it was very painful. And as usual, I said, leave my hand like this. This is how I'll manage it for the rest of my life. Don't worry, I have left hand, I'll control, I'll manage. What am I doing with right hand self? I'm going to manage this one. Don't touch it, that's my principle of life. <laughs> Don't touch it there. This wicked woman here. I don't know why I fell for the same trick twice. See, some of you, you need to check your life. There are some tricks you are falling for over and over again. You need to, I'm serious, you need to check it. There's a scope that is working for you every time. You know what this girl said? How many of you can guess what she said? I'm telling you, it worked. She said, let me see. Same thing that Samuel Boy did to me 40 years ago. Pastor said, let me see. I said, just don't touch it. Just look. As she was looking at it, she just pressed it back. Pow! Hey! I just died. Before the pain reached my She just pushed the thing back. Thank God, that's why I'm here now, jumping about with my microphone. If not, now, this about it. <laughs> oh, with my legs, I don't know if I even get leg. This about it. about Praise God. Glory to God. But you see, so God needs you to, be, needs you to be still. He said, be still and know that I am God. If you can't get still, I can't walk. I can't walk. You will not allow me to walk well. You interrupt me. You intercept me. Okay, so worry is crucial. So I'm not just teaching you for the fun of it. It's important you master and train yourself how not to worry. It helps God to flow more in your life. It helps the flow of the blessings of God to move in your life as it should. Okay, today we're going to marriage, like I said. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Um, relationship and marriage is one of the things that give people um, anxieties and stress and worry. So I'll just, there are too many things to cover on relationship. I can't cover everything in one day. So I'll do a short summary. Genesis 2. It said, therefore, I want us to read together, everybody. Can we read it together? Genesis 2, 24. One, two, go. Okay. Now, you need to understand something about God. God is not interested in any other kind of relationship except covenant relationships. God, God is not interested in casual relationships. He's not, so, he's not so into it. The reason is because casual relationships don't deliver the virtues they need to deliver when you need it the most. 
But covenant relationships are more likely, they are designed actually to supply the needs that you really have. A casual relationship, you know, the day you might need it, the person might not be there because they owe you nothing. But in a covenant relationship, the person has, he has terms and conditions. There are obligations, there are benefits. So you actually get the best of something when it's a covenant relationship. Somebody got what I'm saying? And God himself never really got into any casual relationship. Never. You notice know, you know, you know about God. Nothing. And that's why the whole Bible actually is a covenant book. So that's why most of the instructions there are under the context of a covenant relationship. Somebody get what I'm saying? When they say, Pay the children's school fees, for instance. They are speaking, I'm just using an example, they are speaking on the context of your children in your house. It shouldn't be an issue. But they don't mean pay all the children you see on the road school fees. Somebody got what I'm saying? Because when, when some people argue with scripture, you understand that they don't know that this is not for outsiders. What was what, here is not for outsiders. For people that already have a relationship with God. Somebody gets what I'm saying? So you will never see God anywhere in scripture enter a casual relationship. Never. From Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve was a covenant relationship. And the moment they committed sin, the first thing God did was to kill an animal for them. Blood had to be shed because only blood that covers sin. And he covered them. Covenant relationship. From there, he moved to a guy called Noah. God also entered the covenant with Noah. Remember the rainbow we look at today? What does what's rainbow symbolize? A covenant that God made with Noah that he will never destroy the earth again with what? Water. So God was in a covenant relationship with Noah. From there, God moves to a guy called Abraham. Same thing. God entered the covenant with Abraham. In fact, Abraham today is the father of all the Jews. In fact, he's our own father. God entered the covenant with him. Same with David and other people. God entered the covenant with David that you always have your lineage to rule. Somebody gets what I'm saying? So anywhere you see God moving, he's not entering casual is my friend. So the day he needs me, you know, it's not everybody you wake up for in the night to come to their house. Do you understand? But there's a Buddha will call you, you will go the extra mile. I get what I'm saying? Those are covenant. God knows that you, the way you get the best out of life is from covenant relationships, not casual relationships. Now, even God got to us, Christians, our relationship with God is a covenant relationship. Everything in the terms and conditions. That's why we do communion. Communion is not just a religious rite. No. Communion existed even before Jesus. It existed before Abraham. But we saw it for the first time from Abraham. So Abraham, um, um, when he came back from battle, he brought out wine and, and brought out um, bread and wine and shared it with the guy called Melchizedek, which was a representative of what? God. Somebody get what I'm saying? So it, it, it's a normal thing in that time because in that time, people thrived and survived based on covenant. You are not safe if you don't have a covenant. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you don't have a covenant those days, what it means is that if a neighboring village attacks you, nobody will raise their voice. They will all mind their business. So you are not safe if you don't have a covenant relationship. So what people do at the time, they partner with other villages, other towns, other countries, other communities, so that they will be safe. If you know, if you see me and know that I'm connected to Great Britain, for instance, if you're looking for my trouble, you know they're looking for trouble of me and Great Britain. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So the only way people could survive that time was by covenant. So you will never see God go and meet anybody and say, okay, sometimes I'll show up for you. No. Is these people, they will be my people, and I will be their God. They are my people. Imagine God say, you are his person. Now my person be that. I want to me. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. God is saying, now my person. So when we're singing this song today, you need to know the meaning. You are too faithful to fail. You need to understand. It's not just a song. It's a reminder of our covenant. Oh, I don't know if somebody's get what I'm saying. 
So God, 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 God is not into casual relationships. He's into covenant relationships. And the same thing, when I was passing it to, I mentioned as Christians, we're in a covenant relationship. That's why we do communion and things like that. It's a covenant. Now, when, when, when we were going to marry too, he started marriage as a covenant relationship between man and woman. Because in a covenant relationship, there is total dependence on the other person and total availability to the other person. I'll say that again. When two people enter a covenant, there's total dependence on the person and total availability. Total is the key word. Total is the key word. Total dependence. That means I'm totally depending on you to show up. I trust you to show up. And if it's something you are meant to handle, I'm not going to worry about it. That's why we're talking about worry and trust. I'm not going to bother about it. I trust you to fix it. And whenever you need me also to do something, I am totally available for whatever you need. That's why, did you notice when God told Abraham to kill Isaac? Did you notice there was no objection? How many of you noticed? When God told Abraham to kill Isaac, how many of you noticed there was no objection? How many of you, didn't, how many of you know that that's weird? That's not the way a normal story goes, Abby. Because Abraham was never painted as a perfect person. You know Abraham's story? He was never forming perfect, though. Abraham was not, he was always, he had his own failures. The Bible never painted a picture of them like that. However, they told him, go and bring your only son. Your only son. That you waited, you're 100 years old now. And the Bible said, they told him in the night and early the next morning, Abraham stood up and went. Which kind of story? If it was Nollywood that acted that thing now, we would laugh them. That fake story. But, I mean, imagine somebody that has only one child, waited 100 years to get the child. You say, First of all, Abraham himself, God will find it difficult reaching Abraham after that time. After that first instruction, kill your son. Abraham, phone number, no go to go. Am I correct? God will find it hard to say, Abraham, Abraham, where are you? He say, ah, Lord, I've been busy. There's incense protest. They burnt up to gate. Traffic is not moving. He will find it hard to reach Abraham. And even if we reach Abraham, let's imagine Abraham even agree after much fighting. How will Abraham test it at that thing? I said, I want to kill our only son, Isaac. Hey, is that I go say, hey, death's not the hungry you are, be? You define how you go kill your, you, death they call you. Because Sarah will kill Abraham first. Before Abraham go and kill Isaac, am I correct? Your only son. Women any day will choose their child over that one stupid husband where they misbehave. That's the truth though. My wife did it to me. Oh. Women will choose, listen, my last born. David, I think he's five years old now. But his first year, you know, she didn't want to release it. She, he was sleeping on her bed. Inconveniencing the ministry. I said, let this boy go to his room. He said, no, he's still young. He's still breastfeeding. I said, hey, yeah, breastfeeding, wait When he grow, a man, a young wife, he can be breastfeeding. I had to put my foot down, send him to his room. And every once in a while, he still sneaks in. Like yesterday night, he still st- I wake up this morning, see him for the bed. So this guy, you lock inside the go church, oh. If not, we'll go dig him here. So a woman will gladly support her child any day over her husband. Sarah, go don't kill Abraham. Before that day. Let's even imagine that Sarah and Abraham even agree. Do you notice that they even told Isaac? Isaac too agreed. He could tell Isaac, say, uh, today, we are going to sacrifice. Isaac say, yeah, no problem. No problem. I want to use myself. <laughs> I don't 
just want to hear. I want peace here. No, I agree. You want to kill me. Wait, wait, wait. You want to kill me. I never even start life. I'm a sort of soccer generation. No? They kill us. We no go kill us. <laughs> Do you notice that all of them agreed? Do you know why they agreed? Because it was common uh, in a covenant for the covenant initiator to ask you for something precious and for you two to have the right to everything they have. So Abraham explained, he explained it in Hebrews that it was very easy for Abraham because he knew that even if he killed Isaac, he has access to all of God's power. God's power includes raising the dead. So he said, there's no biggie. There's no biggie if I kill him. It's like, it's like somebody that owns MTN telling you to live stream something and your data is, your data is small. If your data finish, this is the owner, this is MTN. He go give me data. If you are still spending your data for when you are talking to the owner, of, yeah, you, you, you know, you understand what we are talking about. And if you get what I'm saying, so the reason why it was easy for Abraham to give number one, he understood that this in a covenant you don't you don't say no to any demands of the person you are in a covenant with because everything you are you are hundred percent available, and they too they are hundred percent available to you. So he said, I will kill Isaac for you, no problem. You will raise him up, and that's exactly what happened. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? So in a covenant, it's like that. It's total dependence. Total, and that's how you get the best of each other. Because that person understands they need to give you 100%. You need to give them 100%. I need a couple to volunteer. Is there any couple here today? I need a couple, to, married couple to volunteer. Can I see your hand? Yeah? Volunteer or married couple, raise your hand. There's no married couple in this. Where's your wife? Are you wearing a trouser or a skirt? Trouser. Thank you. I want you to come. Bring your wife now. Can we clap for them? It's not easy. Because they are going to... Clap, clap, clap. They are going to stand here throughout the service. So they will need encouragement, trust me. Gideon, where is Gideon and the team? Come and tie them up. Yes, it's a work. Please come and stand here, if you don't mind. Okay, stand. Gideon, just hold on. I'll tell you when to come. So the context is this, guys. What God had in mind was that he knew that two people, one, one person on, on their own is quite limited. God knew that. So um, this guy now, he uses his right hand. He uses his right hand to write, to do all the things you do, right? This is your main hand. Now, what this means is that if you, this is your main hand, it also means that this left hand will be a bit weak. Am I correct? It can't do as much things. It can't write with it. It can't do things with it. Am I correct? And that's how every human being comes. They come with strength and what? Weaknesses. This is what confuses people. This is why people say, I'm done. Because they married just focusing on the person's strength. When they now see weaknesses, they say, I'm done. My sister, you are not done. This is what you say you do too. Everybody comes like that. In fact, the whole context of marriage is because of this weakness itself that God too wants to remove. So what he does is they say, you, you have this strength. You have these weaknesses. He brings you somebody also that she, let's assume you are a lefty. Are you a lefty in real life? Good, okay, but in this program, this movie, you are a lefty. So let's imagine she's a lefty. She does everything with her left hand. She can write and cook and do everything with her left hand. That means her right hand will be what? Weak. So what God intended was that he would join these two people together. Most times, what they do, because they don't know this, this guy focuses on all the things she can't, because his own right hand is strong, remember? So he's shocked when she can't do all the things he can do with the right hand. He was saying, what's wrong with you? 
You can't write with this hand. Which kind of woman did I marry? So I'm done. This is what I say. You were brought in because she's not good in her right hand. So God knows that if I join two, two of you together, the way you two are surprised that he's not good with his left hand. So when God joins two of you together, come and join them. He said the two shall become what? One person. Before they were two individuals, don't forget. And they came with one strong hand, one weak hand. Now God joins them together. Don't worry, you're going to be tired. And uh, there's a van that will move you. So they are joined. Make, make sure it's not painful. Okay. So now they are joined. In the eyes of God, there are no more two people. They are one person. They still have two hands. Remember, they are one person now. They have two hands. The difference is that they have two strong hands. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. The right hand in this family is strong. The left hand in this family is strong. As individuals, your right hand can be strong. Your left hand is weak. But in this union, they are one. Remember, they are one. Stop seeing them as two people. They are no more two. They are now one person. So in this family, they have strong right hand, strong left hand. Anything coming to this family from the left that requires left hand, they have it covered. Why? Because this lady is strong on her left hand. Anything coming to this family from this side, right hand side, they have it covered because this guy's right hand is strong. So if it's financial issue, for instance, if that's where he is good at in financial management, as long as this family is concerned, he will handle it. If it comes to maybe upbringing of children. If she's good with it, that means anything concerning that. You see, that's what makes the union smooth. The issue is not in that we have differences. We need those differences, actually. There are some, see, if not for marriage, there are some homework. In most families, it's not both people that can do homework. I'm not referring to time to do it. I'm talking about the sense to do it. There's some homework I see. I just say, go and meet your mother, go and meet your mother. Now, go there. If I do one for you, we go fail. <laughs> and they go ask you who do this for you. <laughs> do you call my name. If I don't call my name, say you did it by yourself. I say, go ask your mother. Because even me, I don't remember. Square root. You don't tell what I don't say. Square root. <laughs> Please don't ask me anything. Go ask your mother. Do you know what I'm saying? So that is the strength. You will notice both of you, we have differences. That's what God was trying to do. He was trying to, for you to complement each other. You need to complement each other. Then you need to compromise. So that's what people struggle again. Because when, after you complement each other, that means you remove this hand totally. This is now the left hand of this family. This is the right hand of the family, both strong. Then now, you want to compromise. You guys should walk. See, for them to walk smoothly, this guy never said to walk at all. <laughs> Give your leg space so that you balance. This guy never said to walk. You see, and, and this is how marriage is. Before, before now, he walks anyhow he likes. When you're single... Walk anyhow you like. You reach somewhere that they cook noodles, you just sit down and chop. You reach somewhere your friends, they gist for night, 10 p.m., you are still gisting with them. Because you are single then. Now that you are married, you can't eat anywhere because there's food waiting for you at home. And not eating that food is a criminal offense. Because somebody stressed themselves to think about what that food and to actually cook it. Then you reach out and say, no, I've eaten. Hey, you are looking for trouble. I guess what I'm saying, somebody. When you are single, you do anyhow. 10 p.m., you're outside. Now, you, you don't belong to yourself. You, are, you, you must compromise to work well. If you are going to work well now, you must be mindful 
of the pace, the strength of the other person. You can turn, thank you. I get, somebody getting the point. Is you, you, must not, you can't just walk in the way you were walking before. You see some people when they come to church, the wife, the, they both park the car. The husband will leave the wife. He will be in front of marching like a soldier. Say, we are late, you are already. A soldier. He go, don't go from the wife. He's just at the back, trying to carry the back, everything, coming behind. He has, he has left her. He said, those are men that have not adjusted. Now that you are married, you can't be in a hurry. You have somebody with you. You must master. And, I, I want to do, and my dream is to do this thing for couples, to have a couples weekend and do this thing one day so that they will learn how to keep pace. They will learn how to become conscious. You can't just spend money anyhow. It's no more your money. It's our money. So you can't just go somewhere. You see, shoe, just buy. You see, Kai, just pay deposit from our account. No. You must now be conscious that you are with someone and you need to consult them before you make any decision. You're not going to learn how to compromise. Most times in most homes, they have different strengths. So one can be a night person. I don't know if that applies in your house. It's one, it's one of you usually awake at night. Another person is... It happens. Who is she's the night person? <laughs> Problem has started. This man is really. You are the morning person. Like from two, eight, two to four. Two to four, I'm up. You are up. Yeah. But she was sleeping. Yeah, but 11 to like in, 9 p.m. 11 p.m. Yeah. You are awake till what time? Like 1 to like 2 and then. Uh-huh. See, let me teach you something, this guy. Anytime they ask people a couple question, eh? Look at her. Anything she says, then you take your cue from there. Don't leave me. <laughs> so that's how they do it. You understand? When they ask you and your wife question, your answer is not the, your, your wife question. Your wife, number one, you won't remember things more. And you need her in a good mood. So look at her when they say, uh, how many children do you have? <laughs> say three. Yes, three. Yes, three. <laughs> yes, three. I just want to be sure. That's how they do it. Are you learning now? <laughs> So are you guys going to come tomorrow? Like, <laughs> are we going to come tomorrow? Say no, say no, no, we can't go. He said, why? He said, wait, <laughs> why are we not going to? That's how to have peace. I guess what I'm saying. It's funny, but that's how you learn compromise. Because before you answer for yourself. Now you are two. You must always consider. And, be, and it's something you must learn. This is why many people, that's why divorce rates are high and trouble. Because people just, they, don't, they want to continue from the way they were living when they were single and continue living like that in marriage. There are two different things. Now you are with someone. So basically, you stay up late from what you're saying. 2 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m., you're awake and she's asleep. So in the morning, who wakes up first? Okay, you're awake from early hours to morning. Then you, you, you wake up late. Okay, basically... Um, okay, who, who, who is the better financial manager? Who is the spender? Who is the saver? Okay, okay, she, they agree that one. She's the saver, he's the spender. This is how most homes come. One is a spender, one is a saver. One is night person, one is morning person. Pastor Midred in my house is the morning, is the, is the morning person. She wakes up 4 a.m., she has a prayer meeting with some women, she goes for a walk. She has done so much in her day before I wake up. So much in her day. But at night... 9 p.m., you are talking to her at your own risk. <laughs> if you're having any serious discussion with her by 9 p.m., at your risk. You'll be like, ah. ah. And after three yawns, come the snow. <laughs> ah, ah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Battery down off. At your own risk. But by morning, 4 a.m., she's up. She has prayed with the women she's prayed with. Sometimes pray her own personal prayer, take a walk, do many things. And me, I'm just waking up around 9, 10. You talk to me at that time at your own risk. 
If you call me that time, Nami could ask you, who am I? I'm not just asking who is speaking. Who is speaking and who are you speaking to? <laughs> who is speaking and who are you speaking to? Because I don't even know me. Say, so is that Pastor Kinsley? So I think so. I suspect. Maybe. <laughs> it's most likely him. Because I'm awake 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Somebody know what I'm saying? All, now, to, balance, to make that work, it takes compromise. It's not going to happen naturally. That's the mistake. Who thinks it's going to happen naturally? But no. No. If you are the spender, she's the saver. That's an issue for conflict. It's not going to happen naturally for you guys to synchronize. You need to both consider each other, understand each other, then flow together. That's how it's going to work. It's not going to happen by itself. And when you are dating, it flows a bit easier because then you are in a fake state of euphoria. You are high. Somebody on drugs, you can't take anything they say when they are high. As serious. Am I correct? Most when they come to the altar, they are high. Do you do? I do. Do you promise to take this person? I take him. Will you submit to him? I submitted. Will you? They agree. Once they reach house, the weed. Don't go down. They say, do you take? I don't take anything. Never. Never. You can't cheat me in this life. <laughs> they were high when they were saying I do. So nowadays, I'm, I'm, I'm not so excited about people coming to say I do. I, I try to make them, do you understand? Because the time will come, you will not feel like doing. Will you still do when you don't feel like? It will take compromising. Before, you, 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 had, you, had, you had access to all your information. You, you, you could have privacy. From the day you are one, imagine if people are one. There's not, if you are going to have your bath, you are going together. If you are going to use the bathroom, you are, there's not like privacy again when you are tied like this. You have to even give the person a heads up that in five minutes we are going to the bathroom. Start preparing. And you have to be patient to wait for them to be ready. If somebody gets what I'm saying. Marriage trains your character. That's what it does. You thought you were nice, marry first. Then let your wife or husband tell you if you are nice. You know, there are people like that. And, that, and when you see people like that, they now make it a habit to in, keep impressing people outside. Because they know they can never deceive this one. This one, they house, they see them. Say, you are wicked. You know you are wicked. <laughs> so you see a lot of people do it. They, they, are, they are known as bros outside. When they go outside, they treat everybody nice. They share money, they help people. They are nice. They help people carry their things. Oh, madam, let me help you. They help in their house. They don't help with anything. They are mean. Because it's easier to impress people outside. To impress this one, you must grow. You can't fake it. You will grow. You think you are kind, you will learn kindness. You think you are patient, you will learn it when you are married. See, I'm very loving. See, if me, if I, when I love person, when I love somebody, they, let's ask your spouse, my brother. Say, me, it's me. I'm very, I'm very nice. Let's ask your spouse. They are tied to you. So you begin to learn that thing. So this, this is the best way to get anything out of, out, of, out, of, out of a common relationship. But it takes you complimenting each other's weaknesses. So if she's the saver, you are the spender. You need both. Because not every time you need to save. Sometimes you need to actually take a move. You know, but my wife is like that. She's the saver, I'm the spender. So there are some, there are some times, to be honest with you, to be honest with you, you know, I wrecked our finances very early in our marriage, because I'm a, I'm a spender. I don't spend on many things, but anytime I spend once, kegum, you feel it. You feel it. I don't do any house spending, biscuit. No, no, no. I go straight. <clears throat> Bentley. <clears throat> you rest three years dead. <laughs> I'm joking. But you know what I'm trying to say? So, but I, I had to learn, after many years, to allow her have more say in how we, because she always has money, no matter what happens. She's a saver. If you give her, if we share 1K here, and we both spend the 1K, she will still have 1K. 
He said, how? <laughs> we have just spent our money. How do you still have your own? And I'll go and beg her for her own. So I had to start allowing her more. So it takes, it takes you on the center and working together for you to have a better finance. It's not every time. Sometimes, too, I want to do something. And she's like, no, let's not do it. But I press and we do it. And it turns out better for her. She's happy for it. So it's a balance. There's no, there's no right or wrong. You need the mix. One is a risk taker. One is totally afraid. One is a morning person. One is a night person. So the morning person does things that cover the morning. Night person does. And now, we need to always plan. If you're a morning person, it means... Sometimes you might want to have sex in the morning. The night person might not participate so much because they're tired. And the night person wants to have sex at night. And the morning person is like, it will take sacrifice. That's that's what marriage marriage is calling. That's why Abraham knew that sacrificing Isaac is not supposed to be a big deal. In a covenant, sacrifice is what we used to service it. It's sacrifice we used to service it. So that's why when, when, when you see somebody still arguing about, I can't pay tithes, I can't give offering. It's not, that's, those scriptures are not for you. You are outsider. People inside know that even me as a human being, I'm inside the offering basket. So you can't be asking me about money in my pocket. When me, as a human being, I'm inside basket. You say, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I'm inside. You're asking about tight. I'm inside. Somebody get in this, guys. Let me try and round up because there's a lot to cover in one day and I can't go into everything. So, There are three major differences. There are, there are about seven major differences between a contract and a covenant. I'll mention three in the course of time, and I'll run through them quick. Number one, in a contract, you seek your own good. In a covenant, you seek the good of the other person. In a contract, your, your lawyer is reading it because he's trying to see how he favors you. In a covenant, you're coming to say, hey, how can I bless you? How can I help you? That's why in 1 Corinthians 7, the Bible says, um, when you are single, you're only concerned about how you please the Lord. He said, but when you are married, you're concerned. You, see, what's your name? Bismarck. What's your name? Miracle. Okay, good. Now, see what first said. He said, the wife, no, this is not what I want. I mean, um, there's where it says, um, um, as, as a husband, as a married person, your job is to please your spouse. So, Bismarck, now that you're in this covenant, your whole life assignment is how to please this woman. That's, that should be your concern. And you, a miracle, your whole life assignment is how to please this man. If both of you focus on that, how can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? If that's your focus, you will have a better marriage than you will have if you are trying to look out for yourself. Most quarrels and breakups is because one person is feeling that their needs are not being met. That was never your concern. Total availability, total dependence. So you must continue to be available. So that's one. Number two, they couldn't find the scripture for me, but it's in 27. Number two, there's limited sharing in a contract. In a, in a covenant, there's unlimited sharing. What does this mean? In a contract, limited sharing means if I'm in a contract with my landlord, all my business with him is basically about the house I'm renting from him. You understand? He can't go into other areas. He can't start telling me he doesn't like the school my children go to. That's none of his business. But in a covenant, you're still quoting scriptures that are not part of you too. In a, in a covenant, that's why you must be reading the Bible and be understanding what I mean. You can't just be here and be pressing this. Okay. But in a covenant, there's unlimited sharing. What that means is that everything that you are is her business and her own. Everything she too is, is yours. So there's nothing like my phone. You can't check my phone. It doesn't exist in a marriage. If these people are tied like this physically, everything you are doing on your phone, she will automatically what? See it. You can't say my phone. There's no such word. You can't say my money. That one always touches me. People hide their money, but they've, they've given their life to somebody, then they hide their money. No, do you understand? This person has given his life to this man. Then she kept her, kept her money safe. She is not safe, but she kept her money safe. 
So the money is more important than you. You can die. But the money should be alive. If anything, you should tie you, the person to your money and you go and stay safe. If you don't trust him. And that's why when you're entering a covenant, you must look whether you trust the person. We'll get there quickly for the singles before I close. So, unlimited sharing. Everything is our own. Lastly, last one. When in a contract, there can be more than two people in a contract. So in a contract, there can be ten of us in the contract. But in a covenant, it's always between two people. It's exclusive. That's why I say you will leave your father and your mother and all others. What they mean by father and mother is all other relationships. That's why cheating is bad. And unfortunately, there are people in covenants today, marriage today, that they take cheating lightly. It's, it's, it's just a joke for them. It's a big deal. When that is going on, you are breaking the covenant. It's exclusive between two people. And somebody's saying, but what should I do if my spouse is not treating me right? Very simple. In every covenant, there's the covenant initiator. That covenant initiator is the person that starts the covenant. There's the covenant acceptor. And there's the covenant officiator. All right? Did we get that? I'll say it again. In every covenant, there's a covenant initiator, Mr. Bismarck. There's the covenant acceptor, Mrs. Miracle. And there's the covenant officiator. When you see all this argument today of, I cannot submit, I cannot submit, it's, it's a lack of knowledge. Again, that scripture is not for outsiders. That's what I'm saying. We're always trying to apply covenant principles to outsiders. To an outsider, submission, you should not even talk, don't worry about submission at all. Be going, it's not even you we're talking to. But when you are a covenant person and you understand the basis on the terms of the covenant, submission should be easy. What is submission? It's not saying you're a slave. So, and, and I saw men also misunderstand submission. They say, you cannot go out yourself, I tell you to. You cannot eat yourself, I tell you to. You cannot drink water, I tell you to. I'm the head. That's not what it's about. Are, she's not your slave. She's not an inferior person to you. It doesn't mean she can't do anything without your permission. That's not the context and the concept. So is, is this man that makes some women want to rebel? Because the men think, they, I'm the head, it means I'm the king of New York. That's not what it is. You can't go out except I command you to. Whatever I command. That, that's not what is happening there. What is happening there is that you, Mr. Bismarck, Miracle was in her father's house. I hope. Yes. <laughs> Miracle was in her father's house. Guess what? When you were in your father's house, were you not submitted to him? You were submitted to him in your father's house automatically because your father was taking care of you and you were submitting to him. And he sent you to school, I hope. I don't accuse him falsely. He sent you to school. He paid for, he took care of you. Am I correct? And you were gladly submitted to a father that taking care of you. Then Mr. Bismarck left his own father and mother where he was and came to do what? Cleave to his wife. So what is happening is this. Mr. Bismarck is the initiator of the covenant. The reason why they are telling the woman to submit to him is they are saying, if you are going to follow him, you need to allow him do, because for him to initiate the covenant, he has to make an offer. I get what I'm saying. Two people don't sit down and say, one, two, three, we want to marry you. No. They don't say it together. One person usually does what? Initiates it. That person initiating and scripturally is supposed to be the man. Scripturally. We see it from Adam. We see it from this scripture too. The man leaves his father, mother, and cleaves to the wife. So he initiates and said, I want to marry Miracle. Somebody was thinking of her, JJ, in her father's house. You came and said, I want to be responsible for her. What they are simply telling you by submitting is saying, look, this guy is making an offer. You have to first agree. Once you agree to his offer, then you have to allow him to do what he said he would do. So women will understand this. It's like you go to a salon and there are many women that make hair there. Then you know the one you like. 
from the time you choose that particular one to make your hair, you are the one that chose her. She, they have all made offers that want to make your hair. Madam, won't make your hair. You choose the one you want to make your hair. From when you choose that one, you have to submit to that one to actually make your hair. So she will tell you, sit down. Stand up. Bend your hair back. Losing your ribbon. You are obeying. That's submission. You are submitting there. But you see, it's not by force. It's because it's what you agreed to that make my hair. When you enter a plane, you submit. That's all you do. Fasten your seatbelt, you fasten. Loosen your seatbelt, you loosen. Stand up. Put your luggage in the cupboard. You're obeying. Everybody's submitting. You are, the problem is that you are choosing the wrong people to submit to. Why are we all leaving Nigeria to Canada? We don't want to submit to Buari. We want to submit to the president of Ghana. That's all that's happening now. If we didn't have, the difference is that in marriage, you choose the country you are going to belong to. In, 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 we were born here by mistake in Nigeria. We didn't. No, me, I know Sanami Nigeria. I know my blo- Something just tell me sometimes. That I'm not a real Nigerian. <laughs> when I kidnap me, and I will escape as soon as I have a chance. <laughs> All of us would have wanted to be born somewhere else. Am I correct? We were born here by default. But in marriage, it's different. You are not born into that marriage by force. You choose the president of your country. That's easy as ABC. That's easy as ABC. You choose it and you submit. Now, so... Um, what was I saying if I talk about submission? Who remembers what I was talking about? I forgot what I was talking about. I'll just be going. Uh, eh? Eh? Okay, initi- thank you, my sister. Initiator, acceptor, and what? Initiator. So, now I'll talk to the married couples that have stress in their marriage. If your partner is not behaving right, your job is not to fight them back. Your job is to call the officiator. There's an officiator of covenant. And he does his own job. He's crazy about covenant. His name is God. He doesn't mess with covenants. He fights for a covenant. He's the official. The principle of covenant is the same thing with the principle of life. If somebody offends you, you have no right to take the laws into your own hands. In fact, the law will punish you more for retaliating than for offending the first time. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. Even in football, those of you that are football fans, you know what I'm talking about. If somebody kicks you and you kick them back because they kicked you, you will get the red card. You that retaliated will get the red card. The person that first offended will get the Sometimes you can, you can even go free. They always punish the person that retaliates. Same thing happens in the covenant. When something is going on in the covenant, you are not meant to react to what she's doing. You are meant to report her to the officiator. He will take it from there. And he's a way better judge than you. He's a way better fighter. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's why when we were singing that song, I hope some of you knew the meaning. That you are too faithful to fail me. Some of you will sing it, then you will go back and go and fight for yourself. By going to fight for yourself, you are totally negating what you just sang now. That means you're saying, I don't trust him to fight for me, so I have to fight for myself. No, he's too faithful. He's, he's not handicapped. Don't worry about it. He has his own side covered. You only to report him. It's called prayer. So if, he's, if she's messing up, report her. God never intended that you would change your spouse. You can't change your spouse. Ah, you've never seen stubborn goat. You can't change your spouse. Stubborn as anything. So you report them to God. He's the covenant officiator. Check through our scripture. Malachi 2. He wasn't receiving their offering. They were crying. Say, God, why are you not blessing our finances? God said, because of the way you treated your wife. The wife of your youth. Malachi 2 is there. He said, you have dealt with her treacherously. In, in 1 Peter 3, same thing happened. He said, treat your wife according to knowledge so that your prayers will not be hindered. Listen, if you're a man here, particularly, and you're maltreating your spouse. Listen, you are short-circuiting your destiny. Just know for sure that you will keep contending with the officiator. 
Now, it doesn't mean you, maybe you might be making progress, but that progress you are making it compared to what you could be making. Let me show you two scriptures quickly now. It says, likewise, ye husbands, and it applies to wives too, but I'm using husbands because they're the most stubborn. Likewise, ye husbands, <laughs> dwell with them according to what? Knowledge. Giving what? Honor. Unto the wife as unto what? The weaker verse. When you see scripture like this, you understand that God is not saying as a man you are, you, are, you, are, you are in dominion over the woman. That's not what God was trying to say. He's saying cooperate with the man. He said, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that what? The officiator said, I will, I will officiate. If he messes you up, I will mess him up. Don't worry. Same thing in Malachi 2. He says, our, our, pray, our, our prayers are not being, our offering are not being received. God said, because of how you are dealing with the wife of your youth, you are dealing with her treacherously. He said, you say, wherefore? That means you say, why? God said, because the Lord had been witness, officiator, between you and the wife. He said, against whom thou hast dealt what? Treacherously. He said, yet is she thy companion. And what's the last line? And the wife of what? Your covenant. There is a judge in the matter in that your house. Don't, don't shout. Report and leave the matter. Report, do right, because two wrongs don't make a right. You make sure you're doing right. Many people, they report the case, then they start being rebels. They too start doing wrong. And they're wondering why God is not intervening. Because you two are wrong. If God intervenes, you will start by punishing you. And if I get what I'm saying. So number one, report. Number two, keep doing right. And number three, be patient. Allow the judge. Some cases take some time. But God is trying to solve it more permanently. You are trying to solve it on the surface. God wants to solve it permanently. So be patient. For the singles, I have to round up here now. For the singles, if you are trying to look for, choose somebody to marry, since you know now that marriage is a covenant, I can't be done. I can't say I'm done in one week. Because when people use that word these days, I fear. I'm done. Ha! Ah, for where? Something never begins cooking, don't done. If you are going to enter a, co- a, mar- a marriage covenant, one of the things you must be checking is does this person have a covenant mentality? Does the person I'm marrying know that this is a covenant? Because they can mess you up. If they don't know. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what you'll be checking is this. Number one, check their covenant with God. Because they, ha- they already have other existing covenants before this. You want to start with them. So check, number one. Let's, let's even start from here. Check their covenant with their parents, for instance. How are they treating their parents? It's a very good way to test somebody. How are they treating their parents? Because the Bible makes it clear that honor your father and mother is the first commandment with what? Promise. He said it will be well with you and you will live long. It is a covenant. It's part of the covenant. So your, your relationship with your parents is a covenant relationship. God expects you to honor them for the rest of your life. Now, you might not obey them for the rest of your life, but you need to honor them. Because sometimes Nigerian people confuse the two. That you see a grown man say, I must obey my parents. That's not what the Bible is saying. When you're a child, you have to obey your parents. When you're an adult, you have to honor your parents continuously. Even if you don't like them. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. But you might not obey them. Because sometimes they might be telling you things that are not in line with God's word. So, but honor them, that is not negotiable. He said it will be well with you and you will live long. Check how he's treating his parents. On that thing you check, check how his, his covenant with the church or Christ is. You will see nowadays it's raining. Say, I love God, but I, do, I hate churches. Come on now. It's come on these days. I, I'm a Christian in my own way. Your own way. Your own way. Is that how we are doing it now? By way? Say, my own way. I worship my own God in my own way. Church is in the hearts. You don't have to belong to any church. Is that what the owner of the church said? Did the owner of the church say you can do any how you like? No. His instructions are clear that you need to belong to a local assembly. 
In fact, he also gave in the same Bible. If, if, the Bible is a book of covenant. If you're not even there, please be going. It's not talking to you. It's for covenant children. If you're a covenant child, you are bound by what the book says. The book says you need to submit to leaders in the church. So they expect you to be in the church. He said, don't forsake the gathering together. Not online. He said, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Somebody, no, not online. He said, don't, don't, don't forsake the assembly. He said, as the manner of some is, there are people doing it. He said, don't join them. He said, I hate churches. You can't love Christ. I hate his bride. Oh. You can't love Christ. I hate his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. There's some very smart people. When they greet me, they always greet my wife. I notice some people are smart like that. Even when the matter doesn't concern her, they say, Pastor, we appreciate your teachings and that of your wife. You must put it if you have sense. Especially if you have the opposite sex. That one is, is a bonus, bonus message for somebody. You like a guy. He's doing what he's doing well. When you reach there, hail him and hail his wife, whether she's present or not. Don't say, I just love you. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you. We love you, Father. <laughs> So when you call, say, thank you, sir. Please greet mama for us. Now, it can apply. It mustn't be pastor. It can be comedian. It can be doctor. It can be anything. Make sure you respect him and his wife. There are even times I'm standing with my wife. Some people will greet. In fact, even it's a cultural thing in Africa. If a man and a woman are standing, everybody just greets the man. It's a woman. Get your own greeting from him. <laughs> if you go to a restaurant, they will just salute the man. Say, the woman accessory. And she's subject to change. So, it's the man that is a real customer. <laughs> he can bring on that one tomorrow. We don't know. Let's greet the man that can give us the money. And many times, they don't even know it's the woman that has the money. And the woman controlling the money. If you have sense, you will greet the man and also greet the woman double. If she's happy with you, the man has no choice. But to be happy with you. Mm, you don't know. Some of you men, you don't even like me. You don't like this church. You know the reason why I'm here is because your wife say we must come here. So I must keep servicing that relationship with sacrifice. So that she'll keep bringing you... <laughs> Is somebody get what I'm saying? What was I saying before I started that story? <laughs> I want to round up. What was I saying? Eh? Singles, have you? Eh, uh-huh, the church. So, <laughs> so you, you can't say you honor Christ and not honor the church because the, the, the Christ is the body of Christ. I mean, the church is the body of Christ. The church and Christ are one. You can't love Christ and not love the church. Say so the, the, the people in church are hypocrites. So are you. We have room for one more. You can join. There's no perfect church. The church is a work in progress. That's what it is. Somebody get what I'm saying? So with your child. Your child is going to grow. Don't even have children. You have to be patient. Your child is going to go through different phases. You can't be panicking because he's doing one thing today. He will outgrow it sometimes. I guess, but you're not going to throw him away and say he's a hypocrite. They don't behave like that. So let me try and round up. So single person, check his covenant relationship with, with his parents, God, if he's a Christian, he claims to be a Christian, he never tithes, he never gives. Anytime you mention money, it's as if you're touching his artery. He can't breathe well. Blood is not flowing well because you mention money. There's a problem. <laughs> Check how he's behaving. Covenant relationships. Then you are the one choosing who to, who to marry. If you don't trust him with your money, then why do you want to trust him with your life? Don't trust him. Allow God to fight for you if you're a married person. 
Do you remember? There was a time God fought for... Abraham denied his wife. Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was just a fine girl for nothing. You know those girls were just, those girls were just fine, too fine. That's how Sarah was. How many daughters, daughters of Sarah are here? You're a fine girl. Can I see your hand? Thank you, daughters of Sarah. Some people, some people don't even know they are fine. It's okay. <laughs> but Sarah was just a fine girl. Even at 90 years old, she was so fine that when he and Abraham went to that country. Abraham was so scared that she was so fine that they would come and kill him because of her. That's how fine she was. So Abraham agreed that we'll say we are sister, brother and sister. And they agreed. And they went there. And the king grew true as Abraham suspected. The king saw the girl and said, Ah, who be this girl? Give me her phone number. And the king slid into her DM. Shah got her to come and visit and spend the night. And God entered. Abraham didn't even pray. But God is the covenant keeper. He's super, that's why you must learn to rest. Many of you, the reason why you're not seeing God is that you're too active. He's the covenant, he's the officiator. He's the monitor of the covenant. Go and rest. God appeared to that king in the dream and told the king, you are a dead man. You don't die. The guy was scared. The guy said, I didn't know. The king said, the God said, that's the only reason why I never kill you. It's because I know you don't know. If not, I don't change him for you. God fought for the covenant without Abraham's permission because God is crazy about the covenant. When he says a covenant keeping God, you don't take it lightly. He supervises. So you need to learn to relax. Let it, when you say you are, you are too faithful to fail me, many women that are singing don't believe it because they will pray and they want to go and supervise the prayer by themselves. Allow him. Let him go. Let him what he's doing. You, you and God that have business. Are you here, somebody? Lastly, for the singles. If you are here and you don't even have anybody in your life, and you're saying, hey, pastor, I don't even have a man. I don't have a woman yet. Nobody's, no reasonable person is coming. And that's, but that, by the way, that's why even when you're trying to date, you don't date an unbeliever if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you can't. Say, don't be unequally yoked. It's a covenant term. Yoke means, it's a second one. I've yoked these people together. This is a yoke. You can't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You know what that means? If you, if you want to come to church, the unbeliever doesn't want to come. Guess where he wants to go? He wants to go and drink one alcohol, go, go to a club. That's on unequal yoke. You want to come to church, he wants to go to a club. Unequal yoke. You want to, you know, the things you want to do are different. That's what the Bible said. Don't be unequally yoked. See it here. Be ye not unequally yoked together with what? An unbeliever. Those are the things you are going to check. So, if you're a single person, you also need to understand that you have a covenant with God. If you're looking for your husband and wife, you need to be confident that God will bring that husband or wife. Stop crying and overnight and pitying yourself. Every day you just look at yourself in the mirror and say, what is wrong with me? Why doesn't anybody like me? All those pity party doesn't work. It, you are delaying the blessing. You every day look at us in the mirror and say, see, see, what? Some of you even know the reason. You say, this is my pointed nose. I'm no. This my nose is too flat. If it can be more pointed. You say, look at me. Nothing. I have nothing. Eh? Nothing. Stop. See, I've seen fat women marry. I've seen slim women marry. I've seen short women marry. I've seen tall women marry. It's not that thing you think that is stopping you that is stopping you. Say, I'm just too fat. Are there no fatter people than you married? Say, I'm just too short. Are there no shorter people than you? Say, I'm just too black. Are there no blacker people than you married? You don't have to bleach to marry, my darling. The man that's looking for you is looking for a black woman. He will not reach you and say, Lord, you told me she'll be in church. Why? This girl I'm seeing is first, not the one. God says she's the one, she bleached. She bleached. <laughs> so, 
So if you're a single person, if you're a single person, you need to also invoke your covenant with God. You have, in, and your covenant with God means everything he has is available to you. And God has men. God has women. He has good men, good women. You can call on it. There are many promises in scripture. And you'd write them out. Like I said last week, meditating. You write them out. The Bible says he that finds a wife finds a good thing. You also go and check what the Bible says. The righteous shall not lack any good thing. So if marriage is a good thing and you're righteous, you can't lack good things. You write out those scriptures, you meditate on it, you speak them over your life, and you stand on them. And that man or woman will show up. I get what I'm saying. If your husband or wife is troubling you, go and sit down, pray, stand on the scriptures. Show God that, look, you're a covenant keeper. This is what you said. You fought for Abraham. I'm not even going to worry at all about this issue. And you go and rest and continue your life and watch God move. I pray for everyone here today. For those that are single, I pray with the scriptures that we have shared today that none shall lack their mate. I pray that you will meet that man or woman of your dreams. I break the power of delay over your life. This is your season. I said this is your season. In the name of Jesus, your steps will be ordered of the Lord. You will be at the right place at the right time. And I pray for those that are married, I pray if you're facing a crisis situation, a tough situation, I speak peace over your home in the name of Jesus. You both will grow in understanding. You will grow in love together in the name of Jesus. If, and if, if somebody's trying to stand in the way between you and your spouse, the Bible says what God has joined together, no one shall put asunder. I decree there shall be divine intervention. The covenant keeper will fight for you. In the name of Jesus, God will turn the heart of your husband. God will turn the heart of your wife. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace over you. In the name of Jesus. And for those that already have a great marriage, you will have a greater marriage. It will get sweeter and sweeter. It will grow deeper and deeper. In the name of Jesus. And whatever the devil plans against you, against your home, against your children, against your family, it will fail in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 080-777-14411 or 080-777-14412 or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.